Welcome back. It's the guys with the faces for radio and the voices for a silent movie. This is Sports and More with Chris and Tom. I am Chris. And I am Tom. And boy, do we have an episode for you today. Yeah, as you guys know, you guys have selected this episode just for the fans because someone named Chris was on sabbatical for a week. I blame you for all of this. To be fair, I would blame my mother getting remarried, but that's actually a happy occasion, so let's be positive. You can't. <laughs> hey, I'm sure it was a lovely weekend, but we're happy to be back with another episode today. Um, as you may have seen in the Facebook post, we are going to cover Seinfeld versus The Office sometime during this episode. We will not tell you when, but get ready for it because it is going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. It's going to be electric. But first, you need your normal 2020 season update. So we're going to give you a quick standings update about who's leading what division. You have in the alleys the Tampa Bay Rays, who were the dark horse darlings of the everyone in the MLB to win the World Series this year because it's a short season. And they're on pace to do so right now. And essentially, you have the Twins with a half game lead over the Indians. And it's going to be very interesting in the Central as well. Thankfully, in the West, the A's are holding off the Houston Cheaters for first place, which is fantastic for all of us baseball fans to hear. The Braves have finally overtaken the Marlins in the NL East, so the team that started the whole COVID pandemic through the MLB is finally resting back where they should be with only 18 games played. Your Chicago Cubs, the team of your hearts, are in first place in the Central at 16-8. and which I love is hearing great. that. Music great to for ears. Tom, but... And I love it as a Cubs fan, but for the draft, it's uh, it's not good news. <laughs> and then the Dodgers, who are determined to not lose a World Series from cheating, are in first place in the West at 19-8. and eight. Yes, that's 19-8. and eight. Heck of a season so far. Yeah. And now let's go back into our draft, where Tom is looking pretty and I'm holding on for dear life. So, yeah, like Chris said, I've got the, the Cubs in first and the NL Central right now. That was one of my picks. And well on my way with my new favorite player, Fernando Tatis Jr., 12 homers, and looking to hit some more. He has been on a tear lately. And let's not forget about Mike Trout. I mean, he, he came in a few games late with that whole having a baby becoming a father thing. Uh, I, I think he's got that dad power going because he's got 10 homers. Luke Voigt from the Yankees has 10 homers. Got several guys well on their way to hitting that 25 that I'm looking for. Well, you may be surprised, sir. It's not as pretty as you think. The only one on pace is Fernando Tatis at 27 home runs. So, yeah, a lot of guys are hitting home runs in bunches, but only Tatis is on pace. So hey, As he long as he keeps swinging at 3-0 <laughs> pitches and hitting bombs, I don't care if he's the only one. I only need one. Yeah, if you only need one to win, but hopefully he cools off for my sake, even though I love the fact he's just roasting the Rangers right now. Oh, and we're going to get to that later too. Yeah. So his other pick is that NL pitcher will serve as DH that has yet to happen, which but, I hope stays this way, even though I think it will be interesting to see happen. I'd love to see it. I, I kind of doubt that one, but we'll see. But but tell me, Chris, do you have a no-hitter yet? Uh, I was close. Kenta Maeda came three outs short. I think it was two days ago. I was so close. And then so I'm hearing no. 
Yeah, it's a negative <laughs> Kimosabi. And Brower's throwing two shutouts. So Bauer is nearing it. Maeda almost had it. So it's gonna happen. It's gonna someone happen. Someone needs to save me. However, I do have several teams on pace to lose 40 games, highlighted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are so bad, God himself can't tell you how bad they are. <laughs> They are 4-17 and 17 right now. They are so bad. They're on pace to lose 49 games in a 60-game season. That's how bad they are. That's so bad, it's almost impressive. Yeah. But the Houston Cheaters have only been beaten 13 times in 25 games, and I did say they would be hit 30 times in 30 games, so that one's not looking good. You got five games to make up a lot of ground there, pal. They need to face the Rangers. So apparently, the Rangers get annoyed by any little thing. So the Astros walk up to the batting box wrong. Someone may get hit. So <laughs> I think they need to trouble the schedule around just for you. Yeah, they need a five game series against the Astros where they just are plunking them for innocuous little things. That would help. But as we told you, we have a topic that you voted for a topic of epic proportions. A topic to end all topics, not really, but the debate for the ages, Seinfeld versus The Office. Which one is better and why? Is this a topic about nothing or is this a topic about a mock humanitary? We will find out right after this. Fans are nuts and total insane. Cracker Jack say And this is what you've all been waiting for, the big debate, Seinfeld versus The Office. I really should put that the other way, The Office versus Seinfeld, because we all know The Office is number one. And Disagree. Us, I know you do. That's why this is going to be fun. To help us decide and really you know, lay out the, the true winner is someone who I, I've known for just a few years, um, but we've gotten to know each other pretty well. I've known him for about 24 years, his entire life. My flesh and blood, my brother, Matt, White Hot Fury, Thompson. I I do believe that was one of the comments that uh, uh, would introduce me well. Um, 5859, White Hot Fury. Yeah, ready to go, ready to support the office and shame Seinfeld. Yes, we will. All right, so – for my tag team partner, I need someone who, while we're not actually brothers, we're like blood. We're like brothers in the bond of college. With Forge, you're about like six years ago, I think. It's hard to keep track with leaving college, but my tag team partner, standing at six foot nine, weighing in at one hundred and ninety-five pounds, it's a lot bigger than my five nine. <laughs> Yes, thank you, Chris. And that was no exaggeration. I definitely play in the NBA you know, with that with that dimension. So. What you can't see right now is his head is touching the the ceiling. You know, he, he's he's that tall. That's right. <laughs> you gotta give the WWE style announcement for a tag team debate. I had to do it. That's right. Well, That'll first of all, we we appreciate you both coming on. Um, we're we're ready to have some fun if you are. My pleasure. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Chris, why don't you lead us in? Tell us how the debate is going to work, and then I'll get us started. Okay, so this debate is kind of going to be a more parliamentary-ish style debate, followed by a slobber knocker of a doozy of a debate. So what we'll do is we'll have – I am a fan of The Office. I'm not sure what those words mean, but uh, (laughs) you go ahead. All right. (laughs) 
Thanks, Matt. Uh, so what we're having is Tom's going to do a coin flip like we did with our 2020 draft. He will call it in the air and then let us know who won the coin toss. The winner of said coin toss can either elect to begin the debate or defer their choice to the second part of the debate, as it were. So once we do that, we'll have the office of Seinfeld team start with why their show is great, followed by the Seinfeld or office team responding. Then we'll have quick rebuttals from both teams. And then it becomes haymaker time. It's a free-for-all. Whoever jumps in, jumps in and gets their word out. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, because we office folk are such a pleasant people, we're going to let Mr. Brad Herman uh, call the – Call it in the air. You can just tell me now because it's going to be hard to time this out over video. Yes. Um, but whatever you want, call it. Coin flips are uh, really great on audio files, by the way, people. Yeah. We'll go with heads. And it is tails, and I'm not making that up. You probably can't even see it on the video there. Yeah, we can see it. All right. I want to reflip. Two out of three, right? What do you can't do Zach, it in the pros, we're not doing it here. Trust the rules. What do you think, Zach? Do you want to go first? Or do you want to on the points don't matter. Um, <laughs> wrong game. Sorry. All right. You you make the call, Matt. Do we want to go first? Do we want to defer? Um, I say we defer. See what we got to go up against. All right. Chris and Brad, you're starting us off whenever you're ready. All right. Be ready. You want me to take this over or do you want to go? You can start if you want. All right. So, Seinfeld. Most of you should have heard of this show. It is the show about nothing. That is the tagline because nothing really happens in the show, which is why the show's awesome. It's about real life, and there's no growth between the characters. It's just life. The only character that grows is Cosmo Kramer, and his growth is him going from shut-in to loose in New York City causing havoc wherever he goes. We also have the great benefit of having great support characters. There's a lot of great characters that are awesome, funny, hysterical that you know. The Soup Nazi. You have Newman. You have Terry Hatcher who plays Sigdra, whose quote you might remember as, oh, by the way, they're real and they're spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) We also have consistency in the show. When there's an actor change... Larry David, when possible, would reshoot scenes to bring them in, such as Jerry Siller was not the original Frank Costanza, but for syndication, he reshot a few scenes to fix the old episodes so it would look like Jerry Siller was always Frank Costanza. And he reshot a scene where Newman was just off camera talking with Larry David's voice, or with Larry David's voice, and when Wayne Knight was cast as Newman for the physical appearance, they reshot that scene, so Wayne Knight is Alpha Omega, beginning and end Newman for the show. I see. Okay. Take it away, be um, rad. Good, yeah. good points so far, Brad. Why don't you take it away? Yeah, I'll add to that. And uh, like Chris said, it's about everyday life, so it stands the test of time. Uh, we can all relate to a character in the show, and I think that that's what makes it so mm-hmm. funny and um, you know, really good show because you can see yourself in a lot of the characters, or you can see a family member and some of the annoying characters maybe. And that's what makes it funny. We can all laugh at that. And I think it's had a really big impact on culture too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who don't even know Seinfeld know of a lot of the references, um, such as saying yada, yada, yada. That's from Seinfeld. 
uh, the soup Nazi, like uh, Chris mentioned. Uh, but they also have a lot of other funny things, such as uh, double dipping. Double yeah, dipping so has been a phrase I looked, uh, I read online. It's been used over the years, but it never, it never meant dipping a chip back into the salsa after <laughs> you took a bite until Seinfeld. <laughs> and there's other Ooh. things um, that we can all relate to, such as poster. If you know the close talker episodes, that guy yeah. mm-hmm. that gets just too close to your face while you're talking and makes everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> so we can all relate to that. And um, it's kind of funny when you watch the episode. But I also read, with all these cultural references, one of them even made it into the Oxford Dictionary, the word re-gifter. Yes. When you get a present from someone, you don't like it, so you re-gift it to somebody else. And um, they each other re-gifting in the episode. And so those are just some things that I think, we, we even use those terms nowadays, but a lot of people can know it's actually from Seinfeld. So I think that really adds to the greatness of the show and why it stands a test of time to be um, a popular show in the future. Okay. The original regifter is Tim Watley, for those of you keeping score. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, go ahead, Matt. Well, I don't know. I think to start off with a show about nothing and to, uh, I guess, go against that, you say it's one of the greatest shows um, and it has multiple references, but if it's about nothing and you multiply anything by zero, it's still zero. Um, but moving on, I'll give you some points about um, The Office and why it's a little bit better, actually a lot better than Seinfeld. Um, starting off, uh, point number one, there's no canned laughter in The Office, which I think is important. Don't tell me what's funny. Show me what's funny. And I think if you would have had a, uh, a studio audience for The Office, it would have changed the whole uh, complexity of the plot line. Um, so I think I appreciate that in the fact that, you know, fans are actually laughing about The Office, not just laughing because a light-up sign says applause or laughter. Um, <laughs> point number two. There are more characters. So I appreciate Brad's point to say that you can relate to characters in Seinfeld. But, you know, with more characters, you can kind of pick and choose the uh, characteristics, if you will, that you want to embody. So I think, you know, I see Zach as Jim in many ways. I see Zach as Dwight in many ways. So uh, in, uh, in various characters. Those are the so two you, I see myself as Jim. Sometimes Kevin. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Well, so with more characters, there's more of a a complex backstory and uh, sort of a bigger context for each setting. So it makes for more complex jokes and plot lines. So that would be my point number two. I hear you Uh, there. And I want to expand upon that. I did like your point, Brad, that there's there was growth. Um, Both of you mentioned that there was growth in characters and then the characters became iconic. Um, But to roll off of Matt's point, there are 15 characters that uh, were throughout the entire series or the majority of the series from start to finish for about 12 years or however long it was. I think it was just about 12 years or 11 years. Um, nine? Yeah. Nine seasons. It was, it was nine, nine seasons. Nine seasons, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, plenty, of, plenty of characters. But, right, so I mean, you, you can see the growth uh, and some of them, some of the characters, you know, until that very last episode, um, 
it wasn't actually growth. It was you, you see them kind of take a decline and see their ch character change, but then it kind of all gets tied back together throughout that last season. So um, to rebut your growth uh, point there, we have 15 characters who have each made their personality come to the forefront when it was necessary and when it was most appropriate and how they've all grown over those nine seasons. And like Matt said, you can, you can pick yourself out of those 15 characters, or you can pick the people in your family or the people in your office out of those 15 characters. And that's why for me, it's relatable because you, you could see any one of these people in the office, maybe not to the extremes that they're showing, but everybody knows a goofy boss. Everybody has kind of the, the office, um, the office Kevin, the office Stanley, uh, the office Jim. So I, I think those are those are characters that you see, you may not recognize every day, but you, when you start to put, you know, connecting the, the dots and getting everything together, you realize, man, all of these people are probably somewhere in the office that I work in currently, pun intended. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, and. I, I agree with you, obviously, on that point. Um, so I, I'm going to continue with one more uh, fairly large point that uh, dives a little deeper into some examples. But for my third point, uh, Seinfeld, let's face it, is very one-dimensional. It's cynicism after cynicism uh, after cynicism. Fantastic. And it's about nothing, but mm -hmm. it is very apparent that cynicism is its only flavor. Um, mm -hmm. In my opinion... The Office has many flavors, and it's uh, more dimensional. I think it actually has some aspects of, you know, literary works that are much more complex. And I think there's some sentimentality in uh, various moments of the plot lines. So you see that through, you know, uh, Dwight, uh, who is this very alpha male, strong, prideful person. Um, you see him at, at one point... Uh, being devastated by the fact that Angela is choosing Andy. Um, and you see Jim kind of come to his aid. And uh, another situation where uh, Dwight sees Pam crying and he sort of comes to her aid, which, aid, which is uh, not exactly uh, pegged as his character, but it kind of changes up his, uh, his I guess, uh, complexity to show that he's he's more than just the alpha male uh, robot, as it were, um, to kind of show some feeling and sentimentality. So um, perhaps the, the greatest example of the sentimentality would be when Michael uh, gets roasted by his coworkers <laughs> and friends. So we see his feeling in that because he's obviously very disturbed and upset by their comments. So, um, but the good thing about this sort of feeling or uh, sentimentality, if you will, is that it kind of leads to one of the greater jokes and one of the greater bits of the um, show itself, which is the boom roasted session, basically. Boom roasted. Um, so my point is basically uh, there's some, some variety and there's some stuff to break up the monotony of the cynicism that Seinfeld uh, is kind of known for. So there's a I think, let's see, how do I phrase this? I think Seinfeld is very vanilla in that it's just cynicism. It's very, very monotone. And I think that a lot of its viewers might actually get tired of that because there's no 
no actual feeling to these characters where they go outside of their box or they go outside of their uh, character's form. And uh, this even shows itself in the finales. So uh, the finale of Seinfeld, it, Seinfeld is um, kind of cold and a little bit random. Uh, so it brings everybody together and they end up in jail. But the sentimentality of The Office in its finale is sort of more complex in that you get this happily ever after ending and everything is as it should be. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's more uh, long anticipated for the fans and the viewers. So I think in that way, it's much more of a um, positive uh, tie a bow on it, wrap it up ending. So I think the ending obviously has a big part to do in the, the show as a whole, but as a show, it's much more complex and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. All right, Chris and Brad, Chris. I'm going to hand it back over to you guys. Um, Cause Matt said everything that I wanted to say pretty much. And I got a few <laughs> points to bring up later, but got to hear what you have to say about that guys. Do you want to go Brad or you want me to wait? I'm rubbing my hands right now. They get, there's a lot of steps they walked into. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead, Chris, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I agree, I agree, Matt, that I, I like The Office, the ending. Mm -hmm. That was a really good episode. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big fan of The Office. So mm -hmm. um, this, is, this is hard to argue against, I'll be honest. But the problem is with that finale, I mean, the finale should have been three seasons earlier. Yeah. I mean, once yes. Michael Scott yes. left, yes. Yes. The Office went off the rails. I was not a big Absolutely. fan of it. I thought – I thought Will Ferrell, who's been funny and other stuff, was just absolutely terrible in The Office. And um, I agree with that on, point there. <laughs> they brought that on about Will Ferrell characters. <laughs> yeah, they brought on some annoying characters. Uh, mm -hmm. What's her name? Mm -hmm. Nellie. I cannot oh, stand her. Oh, and oh, even oh. even a I even Andy. I would argue Andy yes. was kind of a annoying a good character boss. for a while, and not a yeah. good boss. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of those cases where I thought they had a really strong seasons one through five or six. And then those last couple of seasons, I thought they really, um, you know, took a dive. So that was my you. main point is that, you know, that's, I thought, where the office is weaker. Because I thought mm -hmm. Seinfeld, for the most part, was really strong seasons one through, I think it was nine. Um, so that'd be my point number one that I wanted to bring up. Secondly, talking about the storyline and the writing of Seinfeld to go get to kind of address what you said, Matt, I thought for being a show about nothing, they were actually really creative with their storyline. You have four main characters, uh, Kramer, George, Elaine, and Jerry, and all of them have, you know, they all of them had their storyline. All four of them have a storyline about nothing throughout <laughs> each episode, but somehow they're all tied together. I remember the, the episode where George is the marine biologist. Yes. <laughs> he lies about it. And he has to save the whale that's on the beach. And he finds a golf ball in the blowhole. And it ends up that Kramer hit the golf ball uh, when he was hitting golf balls at the beach. So they tie everything together, even though sometimes it's, it's kind of stupid, but it, it makes it funny. And so but what I, would you I say really... if, if Toby's the Str Scranton Strangler? Oh. That could also <laughs> tie things together for the office. That's true. That's true. <laughs> But I do we'll get I to appreciate that. your point. We'll get to that. Hold that point. Hold yeah. that so those point. are my main two points. Okay. Uh, Chris, if you have anything to add, uh, go ahead. Uh, what isn't there to add? So the Scranton Strangler, which man Tom walked into perfectly. 
Uh-oh. Bring it. The scrimmaging, I agree. I'm an Office fan too. That is the exact right um, Office fandom um, conspiracy theory. I agree with that. However, the Office producers have always categorically denied that to be the case. Therefore, it is conjecture and not actual Office confirmed things happening. I see. So, so you lose that point. <laughs> About okay. the number of characters and growth or lack thereof, it's kind of a hodgepodge, to be honest. Kevin is the has the is regressing every season. He gets dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber. And it's like, how dumb is he gonna get by the end of the season? But the end of the season, he's just gonna be in a baby chair with a bib and just eating food, because that's about how dumb he was getting it by the end. Andy Andy got better by in seasons five, six, seven, eight. He was good, and then season nine happened, and they just torpedoed Andy's entire character. Yeah, I so mean, I even, that, even that is sort of a subjective analysis of each character, um, which is what makes this so uh, so interesting and so opinionated. It's all subjective. You can't really measure this stuff, which ah, I appreciate uh, appreciate that point. But uh, Thanks for bringing up the, the not being able to uh, uh, equate it, per se. Measure it, yeah. There is a way to measure it. It's by viewership and ratings of the show's seasons. This is the most accurate way of doing it. Seinfeld, and, uh, go ahead. Was yeah, Seinfeld was wasn't in the top thirty in the Nielsen ranks until season four. For those of you who don't know, The Office struggles with viewership because the show is very odd, as we pointed out. This is a show about nothing, and it's a show about everyday life, and sometimes strange life. And it's usually about something the writers have gone through, so it's odd in that aspect. So yes, it's odd in that aspect. Seinfeld is, but um, The Office was a mockumentary, which really had not been done aside right. from the original Office uh, yeah. in the UK, mm-hmm. had not been done up to that point. So it was a trailblazer yeah. because now we've seen shows like uh, Modern Family do the same thing, um, yeah, where it's it's actually you know, the, the sidebar interviews. Um, that are a part of the show. And so, and I'm not here to debate whether Modern Family is, is a great show or not, um, because that's, I mean, it's not on the same scale as The Office and right. Friends and Seinfeld and any, I mean, the, the top tier shows that we're discussing now. But um, I, I do think that The Office paved the way for more things to uh, more shows like that to take on the mockumentary style. And can I can I add that, um, the, the writers, most of them, this was their first writing gig. And so they took over with basically the first episode or two, the, the same basis as the UK show, and then built on to it. And now we have a nine season en- enterprise empire, whatever you want to call it, that was really built off of first time writers. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Props to Mindy Kaling and all the writers there for the office. I mean, you got great Mindy actors Mike, there. Michael Shore. Yep. Yep. Uh, Michael Scott, the character, uh, Steve Carell is obviously a great actor, but they had great writers too. You can't, uh, can't deny that, especially with the fact that they didn't have a studio audience and still found ways to make the the nation laugh. Chris, you were going to say something. Yeah. So about that, a lot of the writers for Seinfeld were first time writers too. They, a lot of them did comic strips before they wrote for Seinfeld. So it's not like both were starting off with fantastic writers. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David were comics and they became right. producers of their own show. And they made a show that had never been done before or since that has been widespread success. Back to the ratings problem, Seinfeld became a number one show in season five and six. 
stayed there throughout seasons eight and nine, to which Jerry Seinfeld, to not do season 10, turned down a $100 million contract and a private jet to not do season 10. He said, no, I'm done, even though it's at the top. <laughs> And well, let's not forget that Larry King, for a brief moment, thought Larry he had David. been canceled. Yeah. No, oh, Larry yeah, King I don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. thought he had been canceled. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, I, I, yeah, I understand where you're coming from there. He kind of left at the top. Yeah. And, and, that, the off, I, and, and the office should have ended when Steve Carell left, as we've all said, because after that, it went through a nosedive, and it was not pretty. Mm-hmm. By ratings, by viewers, I can't watch season nine as a fan of the office. I can't watch it. I I've tried to watch the, the first episode again. I'm like, I can't do it. This is just too bad. <laughs> this is just not the office anymore. I will say that there is some unnecessary drama that was added into oh. the later seasons, yeah. but it was brought full circle, and so I think in that sense, it did have its place in the series. And so while a mockumentary, a comedy should not have maybe had as much drama as some of those, you know, uh, season eight, nine um, did, then I still think that it was brought around and finished off the right way for how it was started. Whether it it should have been started or not is another discussion, but the fact that they did bring it back around and tie up the loose ends, I think yep. um, proves yeah. that you know they, they really did their, their due diligence in the end. And yep. can I, I'm gonna, gonna rebut the whole, the, the viewership thing. Yep. No one really watches cable anymore. What do we get oh, all oh, of our oh, shows? Oh, 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 and I also oh, want to know- Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep making Netflix. that point, keep going, Netflix. keep going, keep going. Are we entering, are we entering the phase where we're done? Netflix yeah. users streamed 52 billion minutes of The Office and hmm. 32 billion minutes of Friends and Seinfeld was in third place. So if for, there's a 20 billion minute difference between The Office and Friends, Seinfeld is in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah, well, I also want to know um, what shows were going on with Seinfeld during, oh, oh, during its oh, oh. during its airing because if you say that's number one, that what else are you? Home Improvement. Yes. Okay. And the Cosby Show had just ended, and Cheers was about to end. Yeah. So okay, Seinfeld gotcha. became the Thursday night show and did not have really any competition. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to know because to be honest with you, I was not alive for a lot of that. Uh, uh, Chris, you're up. No, no, he bring it. He bring those points. Bring I, was, okay. I, thought that, I thought you were trying to ask no, for it back. Stay no. in that vein. Stay in that vein. I've got the boom roasted coming up. Don't worry. No, I, I, okay. was, I was not very it's not very old and not watching Seinfeld when they were in their early stages. So I will say that. I, I will say All one right. thing before uh, Chris boom roasts you guys. Um, I think <laughs> so. I agree with the office that uh, they kind of paved the way for these different shows. But Seinfeld's in the same boat. Um, a lot of these sitcoms in the 80s is more family-based, and they're developing all these characters, and it's, you know, progression. I felt it's about nothing, you know, and that was a totally new concept, and I think um, it was just a totally new thing for the audiences. So I really think bringing that creativity really made it a, you know, a, a hallmark type of uh, sitcom. So that all right. that's kind of what I, I, would say I respect that. that. Yeah, because I would say The Office, I would agree with you on those points too, but you got to say the same thing about Seinfeld then. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. It's, it, it did. It was different in, it, in its own right and um, kind of the first of its kind. So, I, I, I mean, I, I do like the show, not on the same level as The Office, so, but Seinfeld, I, I do have to give respect where it's due. 
I mean, credit where it's due because it, I mean, it definitely was a quality show in its time. So, and then we had to move on. <laughs> Chris, continue. <laughs> yeah. So about that viewership thing. Yeah. Um, all right. I knew you had they're, something to say there. They're both on NBC. That's public TV. It's not going to be killed by cable. That's not going to cause it to, to have lower viewership numbers. That's like saying football's numbers should go down because we have added cable. Football numbers have gone up since the 80s. They've increased. So why was the office so low is the question. We're comparing apples to oranges. Football has a season for itself. Yeah, but why? But it's a comedy that has a certain length of time. It doesn't air 12 years out of the 12 months out of the year per se it releases new episodes for like a nine-ish month period that's generous usually about eight-ish months so the other i think now we can put them on the same scale because they're they're on these streaming services because not a lot to, to matt's point you know we weren't alive for the majority of the the episodes if any i'm not i'm not honestly even really sure how long um or when it was off the air Seinfeld was and so 98 was his last 98, season. So we would have had you know, yeah, you know, five, two. six years. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think to, to your point, Matt, and then to kind of tie it all, all together is streaming services are the new norm. Let's, we can't deny that. And so to have all of the episodes of both shows at our fingertips, now we are on the same playing field. Yeah. Netflix is that common ground. But Seinfeld is not on Netflix, it's on Hulu. So without it being on Netflix, you're kind of losing the votes because Hulu, who who has Hulu? Hulu is much less <laughs> watched than Netflix. Yeah. Hulu has live sports. Yes, but that's what's known for. It's not known for its TV show. That's the part of its problem. And if yeah. you want to compare apples, say apples to oranges, Rolling Stone did a ranking of the top 50 TV shows in 2016. There was a TV guy one in 09, but that wouldn't be fair because the office was still airing in 09. So it's not fair to use that ranking per se. Okay. So I'm going to rebut that and say that Seinfeld accounted for less than 1% of Hulu's viewership yep. and the office accounted for 7% of Netflix. Yeah. Yep. And it's also a larger playing field. Yeah. But let me finish the, the, the Rolling Stone magazine thing. The <laughs> office was ranked 48th of 100 TV shows. 48th, Seinfeld, 5th, is ranked 5th all-time in 2016 right, based on TV shows out of 100. This is like everything. It is ranked 5th all-time. Where was considered the on that list? 48th. Okay, okay. It's below, it's below Friends, which I abhor Friends. So I insulted that. Why? Because it has canned laughter and it's not really about anything? No, no, the friends thing is more like it's all about relationships. It's all about cheesy relationships, so I can't stand it. <laughs> all right. And the can laughter and Seinfeld, that that comment, it was it was in front of a live audience with no laugh with not telling you when to laugh. It's not exactly a canned laugh uh computer generated thing. It's actually audience laughing at jokes that they had to cut out because they couldn't hear half the jokes because they were just okay. dying from laughing half the time. Okay. I think you'd probably have a lot of that happening with the office because the jokes and the setting. Oh, I, oh, I agree. That, oh, I agree. That's, I'm, that's okay. what I'm saying. You can't use yeah. the, the canned laughter reference because it wasn't okay. canned laughter. It was actually audience right. laughter. Yeah, I'm just saying as a show, I prefer to have it out of there. 
it, it all I'd depends like, on the type of show. If it right. like the office doesn't need it, Seinfeld is a sitcom. It's going to have it. You're kind of stuck at that point. Sure. And, and that was the that was the the style of show at the time was yeah, you know right. having the, the sitcom that was yeah. you know performed in front of an audience or or had the laughter added in whatever you know, the situation was. That was the style back then. Like we had said right. before, the mockumentary was totally different. So for people who were expecting canned laughter or audience laughter or whatever it was. They yeah. probably were disappointed because this is this that was a different style and very very different. But I'd like to bring up kind of something that both shows have is you know iconic references yes. that no matter what you know Brad you said Seinfeld stands the test of time. The Office the Office will as well because there is a absolute behind it. it is you know people who don't know the office understand some of these references too um yeah that's what she said that's what <laughs> she said brought into yeah. other tv shows and movies yeah. and you know it, it's become a, an iconic line that you I mean it's it's really ruined uh <laughs> euphemisms yeah uh huh it has that every junior high kid uses now so <laughs> Yeah, well, yes. every junior That's high kid can't exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think something we're dealing with here too is the the age of viewers. Um, and you know, like the like you said, a lot of us were not alive for the the glory years of Seinfeld. Um, but right now we have a lot of the Office jokes that are in you know, social media in oh, mm -hmm. our current jokes that kind of have found their way back into normal conversations that are, you know, like you said, the, the, that's what she said. That's pretty easy to work into a conversation. Whereas something with Seinfeld, it's going to be a bit of a stretch to say the dingo ate your baby. Normal, normal conversation. So I think I will right now, go ahead. It's also the generation that is making the memes and the online references was alive for, uh, the office and really yeah. got into it at that time. Yeah. Had Seinfeld been around the same time period, maybe you know, could have as well, because yeah, there was more of that at, you know, at the time of airing. But I, I think like you were saying, it was just filled with things that are now brought up more, more so than you see some Seinfeld references, but sure. I want to hear, I want to hear the, the rebuttal to that. Well, Bring it on. Yeah, I'll say what I'll, I just want to respond, just like I said earlier, right? There's there's a lot of things from Seinfeld that people use nowadays that they've never even seen the show. Right. I think that shows how powerful Seinfeld has been. Like I said, like double dipping the chip. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And I mean, no soup for I, you. I say, I yeah. say, no soup for you. Or, yeah, no soup for you. Yep. Uh, well, this might be just me, but I tell my wife she's an anti-dentite. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes. All right, yeah, I'll using that one. So, so, I mean, yeah, I agree. The Office has some iconic lines as well, and the the age of the, the meme and all that has really uh, kind of Amplified. spread the influence of it. But I think that, I think that's what shows how, how great Seinfeld is. We didn't have that age back then, and we still have those lines nowadays. And I read somewhere we're still having, you know, Seinfeld appreciation nights at minor league baseball games, yeah. you know, when we used to go sure. to baseball games. But back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but that would be my, that would be my argument that. Yeah. Chris, you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, you forgot one of my favorites. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> uh, we had our own pretzel day. So. Um. <laughs> I love that line. It's one of my favorites. 
I love That's George Overwrought. And then uh, we also have a holiday for Seinfeld. It's called Festivus. We actually have <laughs> our own holiday. What's it about? It is about the um, the non-commercialization of Christmas. It happens on December 23rd to get a leg up on the competition. I see. We don't have a Christmas tree. We have a, a the Festivus pole that is ordained with nothing because tinsel is uh, distracting, as Frank Costanza would say. We have feats of strength. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I liked about The Office was that you got to see a year-to-year -year progression of their holiday episodes, which was the Christmas parties. Um, so you got to see sort of uh, how the characters had grown or how this – the setting had changed or how the plot had changed. Um, and I don't think you really necessarily got that with Festivus. Well, and we, while we may not have our own holiday with Festivus, by the end of the, by the end of the series, we did have Bell Snickel. Oh yes. <laughs> Good old that's, Bell Snickel. Like Santa Claus, but dirtier and worse. <laughs> that, that's uh, actually ripped off a German <laughs> holiday. So it's not actually original. <laughs> That's the point. So, but not from Seinfeld. Yeah. Dwight didn't know what was yeah. ripped off and uh, reality versus his own. Yeah. Oh, man. But the yeah. the continuation of stories is the, the background. The, what makes Seinfeld better, in my opinion, is Seinfeld continues with consistency of stories and characters. He always has some background problems with storytelling. For example, Nick... In one episode, a graphic designer, he comes back two seasons later as the IT guy, and there's no explanation as to why he went from graphic designer to IT guy in season, I believe, seven. He comes back, and his father in season four is named Andrew, but comes back in season six as Walter, and they change actors on us without any explanation. I think part of that is on purpose to kind of leave up some of this uh, – background plot to oh. the viewers and let them kind of decide what the backstory is. Oh, um, that's a problem. <laughs> and, all right, so, Chris, are you referring to the fact that Andy was was supposed to be named after no, his no, father? No, 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 no. His, because his, that, was, that was tied out later no. on by, you know, his brother, Josh no. Groban, um, being named uh, Walter Jr. No, no, no. That was a different thing. Andy's father in season four, the, uh, when Toby's leaving, he introduces him as Andrew Sr., and then they changed the name to Walter in season six. Okay. All right. Interesting. We also have Jim and Pam who started first. If you watch season two, episode 13, Jim implies he was at Dunder Mifflin first because he says, I had a crush on you when you first started at Dunder Mifflin when he's talking to Pam. In season four, though, Pam says she introduced Jim to his clump mate, Dwight. So that went for Jim started first. So Could they have started have at the same time? How would they? No. If they with I, I, with gonna, both stories. I'm cut that one off. They did not. Okay. <laughs> one yeah. had to have started the other because uh, you know whether whether it was Jim or whether it was Pam, both have a story where they were introduced to the other, and yeah. So I and I, I don't know. I think that's up for uh, interpretation, oh. but I think that's what uh, makes the office better. And I'm going to stick oh. to that. I know it's controversial, <laughs> but I'm going to stick to it. There's, like also Mi there's also Mike's bike riding. In season three, episode 10, Mike can ride a bicycle. It's very clear when he's bringing the bicycle up to the Toys for Tots and he's riding the bicycle normally. He's not falling over. In season seven, he crashes into a car and says, yeah, I, used I can ride a bike. I it's one of the wheels on it, right? So, so 
It's like the, you're saying that there's plot holes in the oh, plot, plot holes and stuff like that. It, 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 but I, I think you I could think also you could say that Michael is just an inept. <laughs> how <laughs> do you forget how to ride a bicycle? How do you and how, and how do you, you fall into you, a koi pond? That's true. <laughs> And how do you forget that you used lake. to ride a bicycle without training wheels? He drove into a lake. He drove into Meredith. <laughs> yeah, he he did not exactly have the market cornered on things with wheels. So let's just be clear with that one. And uh, oh, I agree. He, he was not like, clear with the cars, but he didn't forget how to drive. He just did dumb things while driving. Uh, okay. There's a difference between forgetting and being dumb. I, in my opinion. Okay. No, I got you. We're, so in in Seinfeld. Kramer kind of is that character who is a little bit off the rails, a little bit stupid. A little? So if Kramer were to do something similar to what you said with Michael, what would you attribute that to? Oh, I, I would say that's bad writing on Larry David, but that doesn't happen with Larry David. He doesn't forget a plot and doesn't forget a story. So you're saying there's no plot holes? There's that. probably plot holes. There's probably some that that that, that happened, but they're not as glaring, in my opinion. Like they do switch, they do switch out dads for Jerry in an episode, and mm-hmm. it does happen. But they don't reshoot because they couldn't do it for syndication purposes and how late it was. It was season one, season three, I think. So they couldn't reshoot. Okay, I got you. So I guess what I'm getting at is there may be plot holes in in one or the other or both. Yeah. Um, but I think that leaving something up to the interpretation of the viewers is sort of where you get creative stories. So that's where the office kind of keeps rewriting itself. So you can I think getting... that's why you continue to have conversations like this is because there's some controversy and in a good way that you can have extended conversations about, no, I think it could be this. I think it could mean that it's so complex that you can actually continue to have those conversations years after it's been finished airing. Whereas I will, I will echo this one more time. If it's a show about nothing, there's nothing to debate. <laughs> well, you, know, you can debate situations. Well, Brad, take away that. I, I was, well, I was going to say it's a show about nothing, but you, I'll go back, like I said, the cultural references. And another one I was thinking of, they did a whole JFK reenactment. Yes, yes. With uh, when Kramer and uh, Newman got spit on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they definitely, spinner, you know. That's the true. writers so did definitely have some current events knowledge and uh, some wherewithal to write those yeah, things. And, yeah. and I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, the office might have had those, but I think, you know, Seinfeld really, um, you know, played to its audience and had these different uh, cultural moments included in there. And so, well, there was I the think, Halloween that I Michael Jackson, uh, uh, Michael Scott went as Janet Jackson's boo. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a good reference. That's, I like that. That was a good cultural reference. <laughs> yeah, if that counts. But uh, no, no I, I get your point, Brad. I appreciate it. Hearing all these. Yeah, well, oh, it is. Definitely. Hearing all these uh, references as we talk about them, it's like this is kind of ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> kind of forget about, we talk both, about like how much both shows actually had. Uh, exactly. Because, the, like we've both said, like there, there's so many facets to each show that the more you talk about it, the more you love them because yeah. you yeah. just realize you realize what all was there and like, oh, I forgot you about that one back. part. But that was hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Um, you peel back more layers of the onion. Yeah. I'd like to bring up one more one more point. I mean, we can do whatever, but this is the last point that I have. The the duos. The iconic duos, the partnerships, the relationships, whatever of each show. 
I would like you to name a more iconic duo than that of The Office. And I am not talking about Jim and Pam. I'm no, talking about no. Jim and Dwight. Jim and Dwight, yes. <laughs> as, as much as they have been kind of butting heads, it's been consistent and they've gotten over it. They're even amidst all the pranks, all the fighting yeah. about um, top salesmen. They, I mean, think of Kelly's birthday episode where they're sitting on the couch eating cake and Dwight just turns to him, hey, this is great cake. I mean, almost kind of like brothers that fight, but then at the end of the day, they're, they're still good. They're still good with each other. Yeah. They're still love. And then I think that that really comes to a head at the very end when Dwight in his exit interview talks about how Jim is his, um, is his best friend in number two and yeah. how Dwight has Jim and Pam's back by firing them for the severance pay to each get, give them each what 13 months of pay for every year that they for a, one month for every year that they were there yeah. as opposed to them just quitting. So I think that, that Jim and Dwight having each other's back because Jim is also the one who convinced Dwight to marry Angela. That's what a yeah, best friend you, is. You for. talk about something. Talk about, talk about something that stood the test of time. You get you get lots of different duos, but uh, Jim and Dwight definitely uh, has to be near the top. Who is that duo for Seinfeld? George and Jerry. <laughs> okay. Oh, Do it explain. explain. The the shenanigans you have like anytime George is in a, a pickle, he calls Jerry and is just yelling some random nonsense about what's happening on like um uh. George is trapped under his desk because he built a secret a bed under his desk because a writer once did that in his own office he worked in. So they wrote into a story and George Steinbrenner comes into his office and George calls him and says, Jerry, I'm trapped under the desk. Steinbrenner's in the room. You gotta that. help me. And that, Jerry yeah. just goes, who is this? <laughs> yep. And then like George that. tells him and George like tells him, hey, you gotta get him out of here. And Jerry's like, what am I supposed to do about it? And George says, call, call him a bomb threat. Call him, call him a bomb threat. And Jerry's <laughs> like, why? What should I be calling call a bomb threat for? Tell him you yeah, be half day. Tell him something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there's certainly um, good shenanigans, great shenanigans on both sides. So I will say that and uh, give credit where credit's due. But I, I think anytime you look at Jello or look at a stapler, you definitely think of the office. Yeah. <laughs> I will give you, you, will give you the Dwight and Jim. Well, as I say, I'll give you the Dwight and Jim uh, relationship. I don't think uh, Jerry and George ever had like that moment where it's like, yeah, yeah. we're best buds because they, Jerry doesn't seem to care about anybody. Uh, well, they <laughs> were always chilled out nothing. They were best friends since yeah, fourth well, grade. He, they he's consistent. So, so that's true. It, that's true. It's, yeah, it's a it's a different relationship. Yeah. Um, it's hard yeah. to argue against the the Jim and Dwight thing because it's it's a fun relationship to watch yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, that's where yeah, you get into say, comparing apples and oranges, and yeah, with with different styles of relationship, you kind of get stuck in that one. I would agree with that. Yeah, right. that would just yeah, that's true. So I think one thing that we can agree on to wrap this all up, if we're ready for that, <laughs> is we we all, all four of us have a love for for these two TV shows, yeah. whether it's on the same level or not. Um, but I, I think that we can all agree that The Office and Seinfeld are two incredible shows. Yeah. They were... Both have their place in history. Yeah, that's they, for sure. Yeah, they, they, were, they were pioneers in their own sense mm -hmm. in TV history. And I think that they will, as you've uh, mentioned, and uh, Brad and Matt both, that they will both stand the test of time because 
of the the way that they've created culture that uh, has continued to grow throughout um, the new generation of, of TV watchers and, and um, show streamers. And so I think that one thing that we can all agree on is that it is quality TV and we'll continue to love it. Absolutely. Uh, agreed. Yep. Well, once again, Matt and Brad, um, I want to thank you guys for, for coming on and um, debating and heckling each other. And, you know, th this was just awesome to, to see. And, um, you know, I, I love that uh, I got to bring my brother on and got to bring, um, you know, one of my best friends from college on and, and kind of like bring back some of those memories of the, the debates we used to have. Um, oh. on campus too so like yep. oh. and and matt i mean you're sitting in in the basement where we used to have these discussions all the time so like this exactly this really we're for me we're the we're the jim and dwight we are the michael and jim in many ways so uh, yeah it's great, to, great no not jim and fan nope <laughs> but uh i do appreciate the conversation and uh i appreciate the time uh thanks yeah. for having me on yeah it was a lot of fun thanks a lot guys all right, have a good night, guys. We'll hopefully get you guys back on the show soon. So peace out. Right, have bye a good bye. Night. Don't be strangers. Now that was an awesome debate. It was straight fire. Um, no offense to the office people. I will die on this hill that Seinfeld is better, but I, I do love the office. I do have to say that. And I'll die on my hill that the office is the greatest show of all time. But I mean, to, to each their own. And I think the purpose of this debate was not to decide really who was the who was best. We kind of played it up like it was going to be, but we, we knew that no matter what, the more we talked about it, um, you know, we were each going to basically just get, you know, yeah. sit firmer into our position that each of our shows was the best. Right. Um, but I, I really did enjoy talking about it because like I told you at, at our break that there was a lot of things that you brought up that I wasn't expecting or forgot about because it's been so long since I've uh, watched Seinfeld all the way through. And, um, you know, we brought some, some things up about the office and that, you know, that Matt said that I, I had forgotten about too. And I think, um, you know, it just made me appreciate both shows. Um, yeah. And so I don't, I don't even think we need a winner per se, even though we know, we in our own heads, which ones, uh -huh. but um, you know, I, I'm just glad that we got a chance to talk about it, debate it and talk about it with some people that we love. So be prepared for us to rehash it sometime down the road. If we need a topic oh, again, guys, absolutely. It's going to happen. By now you might've noticed that this episode is a little bit long in the tooth and it's a little bit different than our normal uh, episodes. There hasn't been a Tom's take or Chris's cool, cool of the week. And that was done on purpose. Right. So we're trying something new uh, with Tom's take by turning it into a Facebook live stream soon instead of a segment on the podcast. Although this this week it is just going to be its own podcast episode um, just to kind of trial how um, how you all uh, see it when it's just on its own. So I, I think that the goal is for us to make that into a live stream soon. Um, just testing out a new format here um, by having just pretty much aside from our MLB updates, one topic that uh, it, it gets the, the focus for a whole episode. Yeah. And for my part, my cool quote of the week is going to become a, just a Facebook post, maybe just a meme of with the quote on there or something like that. And probably on the Mondays, just, I know Sunday is the first day of the week, but Monday is the first day of the work week. That way people have something to use during the work week. And we think these two changes will help us overall for the 
episodes going forward. Right. We kind of noticed that we were trying to cram a lot into um, one episode and our episodes were getting longer and longer. So keeping you all in mind, we wanted to, to really give focus where we wanted it with the larger topics, but still get onto those segments that we we love to give to you. So I couldn't agree more with you, Chris, that, that this is the way we want to go forward with it. However, please let us know if you would like to, like to see us go back to the normal format that we've been uh, using for the first four episodes, um, or if we need to change it up in a different way, please in any uh, form, just let us know your suggestions and we'll, we'll take them and consider them going forward. To do that, you can follow our Facebook page, Sports and More with Chris and Tom, or emails at Sports and More with capital C, capital T, at gmail.com. Once again, that's Sports and More with CT, that's a capital C, capital T, at gmail.com. You can also go to our Anchor page or Spotify or any of the other um, streaming platforms for our, our podcast to download this episode and any future episodes we create. And while you're at it, go ahead and replay the first four episodes because those were good quality content, in my Ab- opinion. Absolutely they were. And we would like to thank all of you, probably the tens and tens of people who listen to our ridiculous ramblings and takes in everything. Next episode's creation date is to be decided, but will be announced on our Facebook page. Also be on the lookout for that Tom's take and the Chris's cool quote coming up pretty soon. But until that time, please, as always, stay safe and healthy. Sports and more with Chris and Tom was brought to you by... No one. All non-original thoughts and ideas were properly noted in each segment.